Uh, hello and welcome to the Ribbon Book Club. This is part two of our discussion on the winter of red snow. My name is Jen Voss and Catherine is sitting silently. Sorry, I was reading my notes, putting my thoughts together, preparing for this. I am alone for this recap. So, hi, I'm Kate. Sorry, I was paying attention to my book. I'm here now. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. I, you know, super happy. Uh, here we go. There is so much to cover in the yeah. second half of this book. You showed me your your book. It is covered in post-it notes. This time green. The first half is all covered in blue post-it notes. Oh. Yeah. So what I do when I read these books is I go through with a, as I read the first time, I mm -hmm. read with a pencil. Yeah. And I just write whatever my thoughts are right on the page. <laughs> and then I go back back and decide what's important enough to talk about and then that gets a post-it i'm my, glad you do that i don't <laughs> some of my thoughts are just me being salty about stuff yeah and um i think eventually as we give these books away yeah it people will enjoy my yeah. note taking yeah um so you know if you enter our Oh, no, we don't have it set up yet. Oh, okay. So <laughs> there's a thought eventually that there will be raffles for our the books that we are reading that will raffle off we are our individual copies. Annotating them. Yeah, so you'll be able yeah. to get Jen's thoughts, which are pleasant. Not, yeah, yeah. And informative and no, helpful. No, and my a lot thoughts, of them are just underlined, yikes. <laughs> I have yikes a lot too and i go, so this is this jeremy christmas this got dark <laughs> yeah so you've got the idea um no i do have um they really do pack in quite a lot of information in the second half of this book i'm super excited to start talking to you about to you about it mm -hmm. so we're picking up on page 75 yes um the last really big movement um, in our book, as we left in episode one of this book, um, was the arrival of General von Steuben, Baron von Steuben. Baron von Steuben. So much fun to say. Wilhelm. Uh, wait, no. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. I don't know. I think that's right. One of my um, favorite characters. Then, you know, yeah. And super important to the story of Valley Forge. Um, so we also have um, Elizabeth. Oh, yes. Chopping up or, or really disassembling her, her blue cloak yeah. to make a bounty coat a for bounty coat. Pierre. She's got eyes for for Pierre, the aide to Baron von Steuben, who arguably... Did we talk about this last time? Um, Baron von Steuben, very... Like, we don't... They don't have contemporary words to describe the person that Baron von Steuben is, but... Uh, looking back and reading history through a queer lens, uh, most historians can very much agree that he is one of the queer icons of history. Which is basically saying that Pierre, who yes. is his... You know, one of his aides. valet and, and it doesn't not necessarily pierre but not he, necessarily. he was known to have a coterie of male aides young <laughs> who were young aides. and attractive yeah so while we understand mm -hmm. uh at the same time uh it is distinctly possible that pierre could never have cared for elizabeth the way she wanted him yeah. to yeah uh which is shown or really maybe in the movement of this coat uh as we get into part two now I think 
you know, leaving page 75 and moving forward, Mm -hmm. we get into the part of the book that made me the most angry. Ooh. Um, So if you don't mind, I'll read briefly. Yeah. Um, The, when Elizabeth, I'm sorry, not Elizabeth, when Abigail goes with Mrs. Washington to Mm -hmm. see people in the hospital and pray for them she sees a young soldier having two of his feet both of his feet amputated and unfortunately that soldier dies he was Mm -hmm. a red-headed man we remember that um and so what happens afterwards is that his wife mrs kern Mm -hmm. Uh, refu- as he's as he's dying in this hospital uh, from walking through this snow until his feet had to be amputated, um, it says big. Um, what page are you on? I'm sorry, I'm on page seventy nine. Um, and as you can see from my note taking, <laughs> I was really mad. Oh. I have so many scribbles. Um, so it says the other thing I learned is. That a soldier I visited, the one who had his feet amputated, has died from fever. His wife, Mrs. Kern, would not leave his side and had to be carried away in a faint. She has no family now, no place to go. The army says if she does not find another soldier to marry within three weeks, she must leave the encampment. You want to know what I wrote in response to that? Please. <laughs> said, this sounds like a grim setup for a reality dating show. <laughs> Very grim. <laughs> Who's going to be the new? <laughs> but really, they, they catch. I, I was so angry. Yeah. Um, and of course, I re-referenced what, how Washington describes these camp followers in uh-huh. my notations. Um, because I was so sad and angry. I do not know if that is based on historic fact. I could not find any evidence of mm-hmm. that three-week rule when I searched. Um, I was very pleased that the author chose to have Mrs. Kern. Yeah. Um, Papa goes to save her yeah. effectively and bring and her to live to and live- labor with the, the Stewart family. Yeah. Um, and I really, really liked that. Do you want to know a fun fact that yes, I learned uh, reading the about the author page? Um, she, uh, The author, Chris, Christiana Gregory, she writes, I've always felt a kinship with this period of history because many of my ancestors fought in the Revolutionary War, including one who was camped at Valley Forge during the winter of 77 through 78. His name was William Kern. <gasps> Mm-hmm. And he was a sergeant in Daniel Morgan's 11th Virginia Regiment. So I think she wrote her own little history. Yeah, in there. I don't know if this is exactly the same, like what happened to him. Um, but I think it's her giving a little bit of a self insert for her family. So I love that, actually. Yeah. And I find the character of Helen Kern, who mm-hmm. as she lives with the Stewarts, She's quite noble. Yeah. Um, and she does, we know that she goes on to have her husband's baby. Yeah. Um, that's spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. I can't, I'm trying to drink tea at the same time. We have time, our morning, we're recording this idea. in the morning and it's slightly chilly in here. So we have our, our hot morning beverages. A little hot bevy. What are you drinking, Jeffrey? Oh, you know, I'm drinking my... My coffee, my bean water. Hot bean water. Uh, Jen actually got me tea for my birthday. Actually, I think everybody who got me a birthday present this year got me tea. It was definitely a theme that we were all unaware of, but we were like, 
What does Kate like? Tea. Yes. Oh, Kate likes tea and Neil Gaiman stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is the tea that you got me, which is black a black tea blend with cranberry. And yeah. it is absolutely Which lovely. I didn't realize that you love cranberry. As oh, much I as do. do. Yeah, I love cranberry. It's so, probably my favorite flavor besides just, black tea. Yeah, I just, oh, I just channeled you. Yeah, you carried it right on through. Yeah. So speaking of channels, which are like rivers... Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. A segue that mm-hmm. is clumsy because it, this section makes me sad. Um, and again, the really overwhelming feel of this winter yeah. as we're going through Valley Forge is just, wow, misery. Just yeah. so much misery is just cloaking this valley. And on the one nice day they have... Um, <sighs> These two girls, Ruth and Naomi, who I believe we've met briefly before, uh, come over to say, hey, let's go ice skating on the river. Ooh, yeah. Uh, river. Gosh, I'm sorry. My my stumbling this morning is a little rough. Yeah. It's also daylight savings today. Um, so we all lost an hour. Of sleep. We lost an hour. I set my alarm for 8.30 p.m. instead of 8.30 a.m. Oh, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, we're just a disaster. It's, Yeah. So in this diary entry, which is from March 6th, 1778. Oh, I just want to point out in the previous one, like when they, they, that's the entry where they're like, yes, Helen, come live with us. Uh, They say that she's 16 years old and she's pregnant. Married. Yeah. And pregnant. And additionally, George Washington looked at her and said, this 16-year-old, possibly pregnant woman who stood by her husband's side Mm -hmm. every moment Mm -hmm. is going to have to leave camp because I can't afford to keep her around. To be a little bit fair. Yes. Resources uh, were incredibly scant. This is George Washington saying, I have to feed my army. Yes. He is prioritizing Uh, the army. And if she's, you know hopefully women would have a home and family to go home to um we don't know if that's the case it doesn't appear to be the case with helen right and we Um, don't know if george washington knew about her individual circumstances yeah sometimes when you are running a camp with thousands of people you just have to have hard and fast rules that you have to stick to and it can be devastating this is why when i start my cult it's gonna be so nice (laughs) that's my retirement plan i'm going to have a cult um and the cult is is going to be about everybody being nice to each other i okay uh, we are wildly off track now yeah we are um speaking of cults um uh, i no i think i think it's it's said almost in jest but in a way like it's it's very true that like i i i've heard studies that i kind the ideal number for like a community uh is like 200 people um, because that's about the number of people that you can hold in your human mind uh, of like existing <laughs> and like naming them and knowing them and, and appreciating them as individual humans. That makes sense. Um, and so if you have a community of 200 people, you are more likely to run that community with a sense of equity and care and empathy uh, than a country of thousands or millions, you know. Okay, so we need 200 people in the cult. <laughs> well, okay, 198, because me and Dan. We can call it a commune. <laughs> 
listen, Karl Marx, how about you slow down? This is America. This is where we come out as militant Marxists. Anyway, anyway. Um, okay, so March 6th, jumping ahead, um, leaving Helen Kern, who is now living mm-hmm. mournfully with the Stuarts. Um, Sally and Abigail quarrel, and because of that, their mother says they are not to go enjoy skating on the river today, which, thank God, yes, because it is warm enough now that the river is starting to thin, and people go through the ice. Um, and in fact, it's the five Fitzgerald boys, mm-hmm. including Tom, who, who she was Abigail, like, yeah, exactly. Um, so they are just gone. Uh, like it's so sudden, um, and it's it's these these entries are very brief. Um, so I'm sure she's you know she's not exploring grief much. Just that yeah. death is so quick and so cruel and so matter of fact that there's no other way to reflect it mm-hmm. in these entries but that way. Um, in fact, the very next entry, March 8th and March 14th, are strictly about the weather. Yeah. In fact, the weather gets better, and all of a sudden, she's in high spirits. And I wrote, well, seasonal affective disorder is real. Well, okay. Yeah, that. Um, another thought I just had was, like, a lot of the the things that she experiences, the the grimness of the camp and the death of from illness and from uh like hanging um yes are happening to soldiers who are you know a range of ages but usually older than she is right uh but there's and when the difference between 15 and 8 is when you are 8 well she's 11 but you know right still feels it's monumental like mm-hmm. do you remember when you were a kid and you thought 17 year olds were like superheroes <laughs> yeah even when you're like in middle school and you look at a high school senior you're like that is an adult right they can drive a car they have all the powers yeah. and faculties of an adult of an adult they're gonna go to college and get married within four years right and <laughs> a lot of them do a lot of them do uh but this one where you know the so ma- five brothers all die in an instant and they're peers of hers and i think that that i think has a lot more of an impact on your own sense of mortality yes. than it does when like nameless older people die my like, first friend died when i was 14 yeah. and it shocked us mm-hmm. and it very much changed my high school class we didn't have as much bullying as other like grades because like all of us were deeply aware of how sudden any one of us could be gone. Exactly. Right. So I think of our high school class, you know, there's only 42 of us and we've lost four or five already. Mm-hmm. I'm 35. Yeah. Well, I've lost a handful of, of classmates as well. It's insane, mm-hmm. right? It just feels like it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. All right. So if you don't mind. Yeah. No, uh, let's I feel on. like I'm just frog marching us. No, no, through. no. Uh, this is good because our last uh, our last book, part two, was over two hours long. Our bad. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to keep, keep going through this. Do um, you mind if I read a bit of March 14th? I'm on page 83. Oh, yeah. Go for it's it. It's probably going to be a hefty little couple paragraph chunk. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... 
they're in they're outside doing weather things just enjoying the dirt on their toes um mm-hmm. and they look um and they see all the soldiers drilling mm-hmm. marching saluting and loading muskets Many were barefoot, like us, so we still haven't solved that shoe problem. <laughs> it's a big preoccupation in those Well, books. it's a preoccupation in the Civil War as well. We'll talk about Ooh, that the in the Civil next... War. What? Yeah, the next book? Uh, I think so. I don't know if the next book will get into the Civil War, or if it's pre-Civil War. No, it's it's during... I th- you're getting the next... Anyway, this is a Sorry. Conversa- this is a, this is a background know. conversation. My point is, mm-hmm. Gettysburg is about shoes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So... Soldiers are drilling. They don't have shoes. But, um, in fact, many were barefoot like us. But there were many in new uniforms, snappy blue jackets with buttons, white pants, tricorns. It was a sight. Mm. We hurried as close as we could without being seen and hid under some dogwood wood bushes still bare. Baron von Steuben paced in front of his men, shouting orders in several different languages. None of them did we understand. There were three men with him, interpreting. One listened to the Baron's commands, turned to Pierre, translated them into German. Then Pierre turned to Alexander Hamilton with French words, which Mr. Hamilton then shouted into English. Only then did the soldiers respond to the left drill or right drill or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I did look it up. And historically, that is completely true. That That is true. And I actually have a story about this that involves my work on the, the video for Valley Forge. Do tell. We were desperately trying to figure out what language he would have been drilling and because yeah this story is true but we're not exactly sure was he yelling in german was he like he he was multilingual um and so you know i don't exactly know and at this point in time german wasn't german was many different yeah he was states he was prussian to be exact um so i found it goes over into poland as well now oh yeah modern day poland yeah um, I found an 18th century Prussian drill book. No um, way. Yeah, like PDF scanned. Fun. I know. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. It was in French. Um, so I couldn't tell. And like thinking back on it now, it's possible that it could have been just a French translation of a of a Prussian drill book. Um, but I was like curious to think that like maybe the Prussians were drilling in French. I don't know. French was also like the lingua French franca a for prestige a long language, time. Yeah. Um, and maybe if you have a bunch of German dialects, um, maybe it's easier to pick one language. I don't, I don't I know. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Those are very good points. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, I loved that detail. And this next part made me laugh. Several times we heard Mr. Hamilton shout curse words. <laughs> yes. And then shrug with embarrassment because that was what had been translated to him. Yeah. Um, and then this is really the point. This is the point. This is the crux of Valley Forge is what's happening right here. Mm-hmm. Baron von Steuben, for all of his arm-waving and swearing, is proving to be a good instructor, and he's now learned enough English to curse directly at his men. Yeah. (laughs) Made me laugh. I thought that was very funny, but that's the point of Valley Forge. Yeah. Baron von Steuben coming and whipping the Continental Army, which at this point in time, as as we see through Abigail's eyes... Mm -hmm. She is talking about, oh, he's from a Pennsylvania army. Oh, he's from a Connecticut army. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. These are militias. They're... Exactly. They are individually, mm-hmm. differently 
assessed militias who have never trained together. And Baron von Steuben creates the Continental Army. Mm -hmm. And he, as a Prussian, that was at the time considered the greatest uh, standing army in the the world. world. They had, I mean, they're German. So, you know, they had... uh, much more discipline and regimented training than most other standing armies at the time. Um, yeah, so very much so. Mm-hmm. I I just think that's so interesting. Yeah, but yeah, that was really the point. Like, if there's one thing I want readers to take away from this book, what was the point of Valley Forge? It truly is not only overcoming this incredible lack of resources yeah but also baron von steuben coming and creating the united states military mm-hmm. um which as you know is now considered to be this the largest best military in the world yeah Yay. certainly the most paid for <laughs> um i also had a little laugh on the next page mm-hmm. um they're coming up on saint patrick's day which Mm-hmm. Uh, George Washington is planning on celebrating with his men. And, of course, uh, Baptist Abigail Stewart asks, who is St. Patrick? Yeah. And I thought it was funny that it relates back uh, to King Henry VIII, as mm-hmm. everything in our last book did, too. Um, because George Washington would have been raised Church of England. Yeah. Which kept all of the Catholic saints' days, including St. Patrick even though they removed some of the details from them. Sure. All right, moving forward. Okay, sorry. We have one of our, one of the men who was relevant to our last podcast has shown up in this book. His name is Mad Dog Anthony Wayne. Oh. If you've ever been to Fort Wayne, Indiana, or Wayne County, Michigan, those are all named for Mad Dog Anthony Wayne. Okay. Um, in our last podcast, we tell a pretty dope ghost story about him. Oh, oh, you mean the our previous show. Oh, right, show. yes, sorry, yes. Our previous show that is not appropriate for younger listeners. No, no. Um, but moms, dads, you can listen, certainly. Um, so there's a great ghost story, and so I'm just a little delighted every time I find him on the page because he really was a historic figure. Um, in however, case you don't know, uh, the previous podcast was called This Podcast is Haunted. Right. <laughs> in case you're like, well, I'm curious, I want to know more, but you're not telling me where to find it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I have Jed here to finish my thoughts. <laughs> because I get distracted. <laughs> what page are you on, by the way? I am on page 89. Okay. Um, we are dealing with soldiers stealing wood from barns and mm. stone. Uh, and it's really getting out of um, control here. Um, but eventually, uh, the girls are up playing in the attic of the barn, the hayloft. Mm-hmm. And Papa whispers with a neighbor that he remains nameless. We never know who does this. And the neighbor confesses to murdering a soldier Mm. by shooting him as he was looting chickens and things from the barn. And it turns out that General Wayne gave him the orders to do that. The man had complained to the army multiple times. And finally, General Wayne was like, well, kill him then. Yeah, he goes, uh, what shall I do? General Wayne dipped his pen in the inkwell, kept writing, and without looking at me, he said, oh, just shoot him. Literally. But, like, Anthony Wayne was an incredibly cruel man. Mm -hmm. 
And we see that here. There's a reason he has this nickname Mad Dog, mm. although that name Mad Dog is something I know from my own readings and from the previous not show. In this. It is not present in this book. Yeah. But you certainly get the flavor when he doesn't even look up to yeah. tell somebody to murder somebody else. Uh-huh. Uh, you skipped over the previous page where uh, a very important personal uh, event happens uh, where uh Abigail goes oh yes <laughs> to you know go to headquarters um, and it's a rainy day and Elizabeth uh, was feverish so she couldn't go um, and and um, she's at headquarters in Inwax um, Azor the the greyhound of Baron von Stoib and I also this might be a personal uh, confusion of mine, but I was under the impression historically that Azor was an Italian greyhound, which was a very small dog. Um, but they they call him a greyhound, so that's a large... Sure. Anyway. Yeah. Um, any- Sorry, I did not know that. So, like, how little is Elizabeth? But she's like a 15-year-old no, girl, think, so she I could think be this, very small. I think this author um, is thinking Azor is a regular greyhound, so, okay. you know, regular greyhound size. Um, but Azor is wearing uh, the coat that Elizabeth sewed for Pierre. Out of that beautiful blue over, fabric. Over the, yeah. <laughs> the sleeves had been pulled up over his front paws, and it was... Uh, as it was a short waistcoat, it buttoned under his belly. Uh, she, <laughs> Elizabeth's coat fit Azor. Um, and so Abigail's like uh, very upset. And she's like, oh, I can't tell Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> and she gets quite clever with how she doesn't tell her. She's like, oh, yeah, I saw Pierre, but he wasn't wearing the he coat. He wasn't wearing your Weird. coat. I don't, I don't know. Um, I personally would love to see a greyhound wearing a little coat. Um, I think that's extremely cute. Yeah. Um, and Dogs in clothes makes me laugh every yeah. time. Yeah. Every it, time. But it just is like, is Pierre just super mean? Like, or I don't know. So I was thinking about this last night. Yes. It was literally one of the thoughts that I had. I think the trouble with Pierre is the trouble with a lot of Mm -hmm. people who Mm -hmm. are raised cis-hetero men. Okay. Typically. Yeah. As we see in, in in anecdotal evidence, strictly anecdotal, uh, an anecdotal means that people have stories that support this as a yeah. fact, but it's not necessarily a fact. So we do not often raise men to be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. We do not cons- we don't ask men to consider other people's feelings the way we do with women. And so guys don't get it. they just don't Mm. like especially when they're young i think it takes them a while to clue in women do mature much faster than men Mm -hmm. and that is actually real fact not anecdotal Mm -hmm. um so i like i'm trying to be careful i don't want to just be like "Eh, men suck because that's not true (laughs) um there's a lot of really great really thoughtful men you and i are partnered to two of them Mm -hmm. 
You're being extremely generous right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't have to be generous because I'm married to Dan, who's incredible. Yes. Uh, But anyways, I think that Pierre received the coat, didn't think twice about it. Thank you for this thing. Mm. Uh, But it's not exactly my taste or or whatever. And instead of considering how Elizabeth felt or what this coat could mean. Do you think he knows the concept of bounty coats? It's possible he does not. He's from a whole other country. Well, and that also raises another question is like, do these other men in the in the army know the significance of the bounty codes because yeah. we'll get we'll get further into we it certainly do um and it's it's entirely possible that it's kind of a known thing amongst women as like oh i'll do this nice thing and that'll fetch me a husband right. it's it's very uh lydia well, bennett of let us... me drop a, a, a handkerchief right and then i'll be introduced to an officer or how many of us are just nice to a boy in high school mm-hmm. because we're madly in love with there's him, a lot of things that they women just have no idea do knowing that men are often clueless about these subtleties of oh I'm cold. Can I borrow your jacket? 100%. Should women have to do this thing? No. Arguably, they shouldn't. (laughs) Like, people should just communicate with each other. However... But unfortunately, it's hard in a society that... Teaches women that they can't be upfront about their desires. um, Or that some women are not allowed to have desires. Yes. Right? Like, there are... There's so many rules, and it's so complicated and silly... And we are all better off just telling our diaries and never <laughs> acting on it. Now, I do want to talk about um, another historic figure, mm-hmm. Charles Lee. Yes. Charles Lee has, has arrived at camp. Um, and this is, I'm on page 93. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's uh, listened or seen Hamilton will know that name. Will know who Charles Lee is. So Charles Lee has been freed from the Redcoats after a year in prison, and he's arriving at Valley Forge, and he's getting quite uh, quite the entrance with a grand dinner. Uh, Papa gave him a brand new pair of shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so th- these shoes are hard to make, and this guy just made you shoes as a gift. As, as so many soldiers are shoeless. Shoeless. Yeah. And what does he say? So Papa (laughs) comes in furious, quote, he talks without listening, that man, and he has the foulest mouth I've ever heard use English. Which is saying something because Baron von Steuben is here. (laughs) Yes. Although maybe the use English is the designation. That's possibly, yes. (laughs) He was rude to Mrs. Washington, rude to the servants, and rude to me. Do you think he was thankful that someone gave him new shoes when many men are still without? Papa slammed his fist on the table. No. That is what he said. In front of the commander-in-chief and the other generals, Ugh, I prefer pumps with a buckle. Must I wear garden slippers made for peasants? Yeah. I wrote, what a rude boy. I wrote, <laughs> set up for Monmouth. We start Ooh. layering in this criticism of Charles Lee, um, because Charles Lee is one of the not-so-revered figures of... Not World War II, the Revolutionary Revolutionary War. Um, The Revolutionary War. um, So, um, in my other book that I'm reading, Valley Forge by Bob Drury and Tom Calvin, Tom Clavin, I swear I'm going to get that name right up. I constantly type out Clavin when I'm typing Calvin at work. So, we just need to switch. Um, So, in the prologue of this book, they start with an incident at the Battle of Monmouth. Mm. Do you mind if I read to you? Uh, Not at all. Okay. His troops 
had never seen George Washington so angry. His Excellency, as most of them called him, had always been the most composed soldier on the battlefield. But in the sweltering late June morning of 1778, Mm -hmm. the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army could not mask his fury. Um, Nearly two years since... to the day since the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the fate of the American cause lay uncertain, all because of the officer cowering before Washington who had panicked and ordered a premature retreat. Mm -hmm. In a sense, Washington blamed himself. General Lee had not wanted the assignment in the first place. He should have followed his instincts and left, left the Marquis de Lafayette in command. Lafayette had been by his side at Valley Forge and had witnessed and absorbed the Espirit of the troops who had survived the horrors of that deadly winter. Mm. Valley Forge had been the crucible they had all come through together. The very reason the forces of the nation United States were now poised to alter the course of the revolution. And it was that same army that was about to be destroyed because of one man's incompetence and lack of faith. Mm. Charles Lee, dust-covered and dazed, gazed up at his superior. His eyes were dull, and his face wore the gray pallor of defeat. Sir, he stammered, sir. The words were nearly unintelligible. He could find no others. Washington dismissed him and spurred his horse forward. Um... His army had not endured the mud and blood of the winter encampment to be turned back now. Racing his horse in the 100-degree heat, uh, and I'm paraphrasing up there, mm-hmm. but I'm back to quoting here. Mm-hmm. Will you fight, Washington cried. Will you fight? The survivors of Valley Forge responded with three thunderous cheers that reverberated across the ridgeline. Lafayette, riding with Alexander Hamilton beside the commander-in-chief, was overwhelmed. His presence, the young Frenchman wrote, seemed to arrest fate with a single glance. Mm. Okay. So that, I think that story illustrates a lot of what is to come Mm -hmm. and also the warring personalities. So I think the author captures that eventual criticism Mm -hmm. of general charles lee Mm -hmm. here in this book as she kind of um makes a cynic ducky of his personality that he has let's call it a weak personality (laughs) Um, yeah he comes across as very pompous and uh rude and and these are not the morals we wish to instill in americans yes uh yeah also they were the morals of the 1990s as well i think we have to remember that these books were created at a certain time period Mm -hmm. um and you know morality has changed um speaking of morality i mean i think that's still a a rude thing to say when someone goes through all this effort and i think that's that kind of grace in accepting gifts is an Mm -hmm. american value um, I think it's also very human, you know. Like, it might be. You yeah, I, be I've never been anywhere but this, but here. <laughs> well, but like, yeah, it's just it's when someone gives you a, a gift, gift that be they gracious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they also this, uh, you know, class issues at Valley Forge have been yeah. grinding my gears. Yeah. Uh, so they're trying to start a dancing school for all of oh, the wives yes. and officers. Not the not never the ladies who are you know running the camp, mm-hmm. at, even though they are likewise wives who deserve the treatment, the good treatment of the commander in chief. However, I liked this paragraph on page ninety seven. Um, Miss 
Mr. Trotter, the dancing instructor, is receiving a little bit of criticism. He plays the fiddle and has tried to teach her a minuet, which is nice, but mm -hmm. the rest of the people don't have time. Quote, I know not why the man thought he could start a dancing school yeah. at Valley Forge, she said after laying Johnny in his cradle. The officers are busy and their wives are knitting day and night. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness that the ladies think socks for soldiers are more important than learning a jig. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, that does. I mean, it does credit to the, the women who are who are there it's like they they know they can see what's going on around them yeah. they're not that so kind detached. of suffering cannot be ignored yeah yeah speaking of suffering on our next page oh. lucy lucy okay lucy this goes missing you got really heated about george washington in the second half of the book i got really heated about lucy's parents oh my gosh they're just trying to act like, okay so yeah i have thoughts so to recap what what lucy uh, what started in the first half of the book when they went to Philadelphia um, Lucy sells her hair sells her hair to a wig maker um, in exchange for real coin and which Abigail, I remember at this time is very scarce which is very scarce because the United States is using script which is not worth mm -hmm. as much and, and Abigail herself starving yeah gets mad at Lucy saying you know your your hair is going to be turned into a wig for some terrible you know English officer yes and so my sorry, thinking so <laughs> please go and my thinking is you're you're get, you're taking money for you're, you're uh, like who cares i'm very not precious i know people at this time were very precious about their hair um and still are to this day yeah um having lost all my hair from mm -hmm. illness mm -hmm. in a way um i can appreciate why people are precious about it because it yeah. really when your hair i mean you remember when i was basically bald and my hair you was weren't basically bald to be clear everywhere it was pretty bad <laughs> it Jeffrey. wasn't you were not a bald cancer patient you were no right right <laughs> i was not a cancer patient i'm not trying to take that kind of suffering we had chopped off all my hair after the coma yes it and was short it was and it was thinning. sticking up yeah. everywhere it was thin because i was getting inadequate nutrition and mm. i wasn't able to move around uh i looked dang near normal now yeah um but i can appreciate why people get a little precious about it because mm -hmm. when you don't look like you yes it right? can be concerning however if you make the choice yes as lucy 100%. did to chop your body off your choice your own hair I, it grows back especially if you're a young you know <laughs> healthy young and healthy person girl. absolutely um, this was actually a great source of income i thought it was incredibly smart for lucy to yeah. do this she's taking she's selling something that she makes for free right to who cares what income, happens baby. who cares what happens to it after exactly. it's chopped off and she gets real money for it to help her family i think Everyone's she's to be commended. She's to be commended, and everyone freaking out about it is, frankly, just silly. And uh, it says a lot about their morals and yeah. what's important to them. It's like, oh, how how terrible that it could possibly go on someone's head. Well, who cares? <laughs> well, remember, Abigail's concern is that it will go on an English head. Oh, I know. Everybody else is worried because they believe that Lucy's only worth is her beauty. Yeah. My my thing is if it costs nothing for you and you're only benefiting, you're taking money away from the people who are terrible. Mm -hmm. Who cares? 
<laughs> so this is actually not the hot take I thought you were going to have. I thought well, this you is were leading going... into the next hot take, which is her parents are terrible. Tell me, because that's what I thought the hot take would be. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what happened in the first half of the book, and then her parents find out, and then they punish her further by shearing, shearing her head, her hair completely, like, but badly yeah so it's all uneven and hacked and, and hacked. crazy and then and then telling her she is not allowed to wear a bonnet that is that some... right humiliation is not good parenting no, and i hope no, the parents no, no. who are listening to this hear me when i say do not seek to use humiliation as a punishment for your children yeah that will only make them hate you when you're there older yes and <sighs> it's just a terrible choice to say like <laughs> you took this risk you sold your hair so we're going to shame you for it like what? regardless it's not like she went to the penny arcade and bought candy with this for just she herself. did it for a selfless reason yeah she wanted to contribute to her family yep um and yeah but they don't a lot of people don't think young girls should have agency over their lives even today yeah they also go to church that very day mm. even though their daughter is missing and by my thoughts they should be scouring the valley for their missing child uh-huh. yeah instead they just go to church and act like everything's normal however i was thinking about this last night as i okay. was like preparing my notes lucy her parents are correct to an extent that Lucy is, you know, close. She's 12. So she's close to what's considered marrying age for the area and time period. Yeah. Additionally, as we see in a lot of books from this same time period, um, a lady's reputation has a lot of impact on her family. Mm-hmm. So, it is my instinct, of course, to be scouring the valley for this missing child. Yeah, but she I runs think by away, going to, to church, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're telling them that, but we didn't know that at the mm-hmm. time. As we as we're she, reading this, Abigail what, um, does not know. Uh, she, uh, in this is April tenth. Um, it says loud knocking on our door after we were in bed. Voices downstairs. The candle was lit. Uh, Papa says, Mr. Smith is here. Have you seen Lucy? No, I shook my head. Helen stirred on her cot. Da-da-da, Elizabeth, da-da-da. do you know where she is? Um, Mr. Smith held his lantern high, filling our room with light. Uh, he looked under our beds and through a wardrobe. So they are looking for her initially. Um, In a house of somebody they trust not to speak. Yes. But they and make sure says, they make an appearance at church later. Well, okay. But then he says, you know, Forgive me for for waking the Lucy stepped out before supper to bring an egg from the barn. She never returned. We thought she might be with thy daughters, Lord in heaven. What will I tell her mother? Uh, he, um, so yeah, that's 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 the information we have. Yeah. So instantly, I smell a mystery in the air, and I'm trying to crack this code. So my first <laughs> yeah. thought it goes to Lydia Bennett, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, a soldier has been meeting with her secretly, and they've run away together. She, yeah, which is which is their first thought too, right? Um, my second thought is that a like one of these soldiers. I mean, no offense to people in the military. Uh, I'm not trying to say soldiers are evil or anything like mm-hmm. that, but 
you know, it is possible. It's a large what group a, of people. Right, a large get, group of very young men. You're going to get some terrible right. people. What if, yeah, what if, what if one of them grabbed Lucy and murdered her on the hillside? Mm. What if one of them stole them, stole her away and kept her in his cabin for God knows what purpose, right? So, like, my little true crime brain is yeah. like, do, 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 <laughs> Yeah. Uh. So, but in the end, um, her parents, instead of telling everybody that Lucy is missing, which would have destroyed her reputation mm-hmm. at this time period. So instead of doing that, they pull it together and act like everything is fine. And they keep it very quiet that their child is gone. Yes. Run away, taken away. They don't know. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so my first instinct was to be mad at the Smiths. Like, how dare you not tell everybody yeah, and well, do my, everything it, you could? This is, this is what you get for being horrid parents. Is what I also true. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then, um, well, the the mother comes up. And she and she talks to Abigail and she says, Abby, if thou dost see Lucy, tell her to come home, please. All is forgiven. And it's like, oh, now it's fine. Yeah. Now you're now you're fine. Now that you understand. Yeah. How many parents would be willing to say to children that they have kicked out? A lot of parents choose to kick children out of their home who uh, do stuff like okay. this. Yeah, I was thinking about this. This touches on some very... Uh, sensitive subjects when it comes to today when this kind of situation happens where you know often kids who fall into the the lgbt spectrum of you Mm -hmm. know and with religious parents um and are kicked out of their homes happens a lot there's a huge population of queer kids in the homeless youth population um and it is incredibly upsetting um, and infuriating yeah. <laughs> to to me uh, and to us. Like I'm not trying to be everybody's mom, but secretly I'm everybody's yeah, mom. We're... And if you need a hug and a chicken dinner, <laughs> you come over, baby. To be clear, we are no one's mothers except for our right. pets. I ain't raised <laughs> nothing but a ruckus. <laughs> um, but we know people who have experienced this and we have... Also, we pay attention to the news. We, we pay attention to the rocks. news and it's just, I... It infuriates me to no end that a parent would do this to their child. Um, yeah. Sorry. Anyway. I had <laughs> so many feelings about Lucy. Me too. Yeah. And she sold, for the record, she'd sold her hair. Like, she got a couple coins. Well, for her parents don't her know hair. that she got coins because the coins were stolen oh, before Lucy right. could turn them over. That's right. I forgot about that. That does suck. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. next page, Sally wakes up terrified because she thinks somebody's, like, scratching at their window. Mm. And that made me think that maybe a soldier did grab Lucy and then somebody was Oof. coming for the girls. And this book was going to take a turn. Oh, my God. But it does not. No. Um, so Lucy then writes and she tells Abigail where she is and who she's with and that, you know, effectively she is safe. Mm-hmm. Um and we start dealing with stealing soldiers again. This time they're taking lumber and stuff out of barns. Yeah. Which is really impacting. Like, it is so hard to harvest lumber at this time period. To harvest and shape lumber yeah. and get it dry and keep it in a good place. That is a many years project. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big deal. Uh, so these stealing soldiers are a constant. Now, as soon as... 
page one, when these soldiers roll into town, mm. we start thinking about resources. And the obvious available ready-to-go resources like chicken and beef and flour, those things get harvested first or stolen or bought first, mm -hmm. depending on how you think about it. Um, and then it starts to be resources that you wouldn't think of at first, like mm -hmm. hair mm -hmm. and lumber and things like that. Um, now, May 6th okay. comes... Thank you. You're, you're sorry. skipping ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just covering what's important. Sorry. I'm trying to keep this... <laughs> no. No. Fair. Okay. Fair. I have a lot of notes. I'm on page... Oh, all just would you like me to no, go no, back no, to no, 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 no. No, there's... I think the, the most important thing that I, that I had underlined um, was <laughs> racism. Oh, yes. Um, there is, uh, on April 14th... Um, um, they they talk about a soldier named Joseph Mann. Um, he commands a troop from North Carolina in Georgia and is quartered here. He gave a friendly salute to Joseph, who is uh, who is carried. Are these are there two Josephs? I'm just noticing this. <laughs> this is very confusing. Anyway. Um, who is carrying firewood inside. Though Joseph is a freed historical word for black person uh, <laughs> and a good and honest man, two of the officers spit as at his feet before galloping away. Doubtless they were from Virginia. Or or North Carolina and Georgia, right. which is mentioned. Uh, but also, to be clear, everyone is racist at this time. <laughs> I'd like to think the Quakers aren't. Maybe yes. the Quakers are uh, the most likely to be cool with it. But um, yeah. This is not a blame that we are putting squarely on the South at this time, because I think New York was still a slave state. Also true. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. So this is just to say that there were, that Valley Forge was a diverse place. Um, <laughs> you're using the word diverse wrong. No, but like... I know you're using it right, but I'm being a jerk. It wasn't just white people there. I know. Um, and uh, the racism was a thing. Yeah, just kick up. <laughs> And I'm actually sorry, the date that I wanted to address next, page 109, mm -hmm. is May 4th. Okay. Uh, we're going into the kitchen, uh, and Mrs. Washington is just baking up a storm with all the other ladies. And in the front room, Pierre and uh, uh, General Lafayette are having attention lavished on them. Mm. Uh, and it's because Lafayette has brought back the oh, news yeah. that f the French have become our allies. Uh, so we're all very excited and it's going to turn the tide mm -hmm. in this war. And in fact, the weather supports that 10 straight days of sunshine once we get this news. Yeah. In general, um, there was a lot of descriptions of, as the weather was getting warmer of like the smell of like fresh dirt and stuff that yeah. elicited such uh, a response in me as 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 we sit here in early March freezing freezing our our <laughs> freezing <laughs> our our butts up we should keep a tally schedule yeah um, now mind you mine was bigger yes I, yes I like that granddaddy one yeah <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna break the rules you really break them uh, um yeah it's just been 
It's been a mild winter, but it's just, it gets to you. Actually, it's been the seventh snowiest winter in Grand Rapids Oh, that's true. It's just come on like three separate days. Right, yeah. (laughs) It's just like a lot of snow and then it goes away. Yeah. Um, Um, One of the things that I enjoy, oh, I'm sorry. This is just to say the smell of spring is intoxicating. Yes. Um, And I can't wait. I'm very excited. I'm getting a bike. Oh, yes. I know. We're going to go bike riding yes, yes. and be sunshine people. Yeah. Hooray for us. Hooray I can, for I can, spring. I can maybe stop taking my, my vitamin D pills. Oh, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, no, I, I do take them. No, no, I mean, like, you shouldn't stop, stop just yeah, no, because I know. it's summer. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, okay. Because I still rarely go outside anyway. Well, there is that part about being an adult. <laughs> Children, please enjoy being outside. Go outside. Get um, away from your screens. <laughs> so, um, I did... I did have a little joke. Mm-hmm. I really liked the author put in some pretty funny parts. Yeah. I think she's got a great sense of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says when the soldiers were, they're describing the celebration what because France is, Oh, I'm on page 113. Okay. This it's, is just for me, but I hope people at home are following along too. Yeah. <laughs> um, the soldiers, officers, hundreds and hundreds of them bursted a cheer singing. Huzzah, huzzah. Yeah. Long live the King of France. And I wrote, Hey, because he doesn't live very long. Oh, yeah. I didn't right. even think about oh, that. Yeah. This is the same uh, king Louis whose the... head ends up in a basket. Yeah, Should we is... take it out and ask it? Quoting Hamilton again. Always. Uh, yeah. This is Louis XVI, who is married to Marie Antoinette, and they're not going to have a very good time in Oops. a couple of years. <laughs> what? Uh, 1784, right? So they got, you know, less than, they got seven years to enjoy. Yeah. But I think it's yeah. off with their heads. Yeah, but the the soldiers uh, fire off a, a feu de joie, yeah, which is a fire of joy. Fire of joy, where they just shoot off their guns <laughs> in a celebratory way, which we still do today. Yeah, um, that is still a common practice in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have it frequently at military funerals—a twenty-one gun salute, which is just seven guns fired three times. By the way, that's the twenty-one guns. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever been to a, a military I, funeral? I have been to, um, so I used to work at the Gerald Ford Museum. And every year on his birthday, they would have a ceremony at the gravesite. And they would do a 21 gun salute. Yeah, he was Navy, I believe. He was Navy, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of those 70s presidents were Navy. Uh, Gerald Ford was uh, voted the most athletic president, by the way. Yeah, he played, uh, he played football for U of M. He played right? football for U of M and was uh, nearly Reasonably hot for a Republican. He was also a model. Yeah, for um, he was he was uh, he could have played professionally. He w- had letters from both the Packers and the Lions, I believe. Nice. Yeah, Packers are a great team. Yeah. Anyway, but he went on to be president. He went on to be president <laughs> accidentally, no less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only president in U.S. history who has never voted um, for nationally. Yeah. Fun facts. Fun facts. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving forward, uh, H- Helen Kern has her baby. It's a baby girl. Yes. Um, we get a hint that there is a girl with shorn hair Ooh. who is seen at one of the hospitals working as a nurse. Mm-hmm. But automatically, Abigail lets us, the reader, know of her yeah. diary that she knows it's not Lucy. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's it's sad because it's like, 
eating at her. Well, it's eating at her. Yeah, she's been sworn to secrecy. And she won't even write it in the diary. No. And and the parents are like so... Well, honestly, serves them right. Um, <laughs> it's like such a... Uh, the hope that they have that this is Lucy is, you know, it's kind of sad to watch from afar of like, yeah, we, it's not her. Speaking back to the diversity you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, Abigail writes in her diary on page 118 yeah. um, that she meets or, or that she sees Native Americans in the camp. The Oneida and Tuscarora have arrived, mm-hmm. uh, and she's kind of afraid to meet them. Which I wrote, Mem would never. <laughs> Here You're we right. see. Here we you see. You could the, not keep Mem on that boat. No, then. no, no. We here we see the difference between the two characters that we've had so far. Is Mem loves to meet strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Mem's like, let me get in there. I'm gonna let tear me, it up. Let me get in there. Uh, so father kind of chastises um, Abigail for mm-hmm. not, you know, recognizing that these people, despite their differences yeah. in appearance and culture, are patriots as well. Uh, and he mentions not only the Oneida and Tuscarora, but also the Mohican and the Stockbridge nations. Yeah. Okay. And Which now, is very, um, uh, gives me some upstate New York pride, is that these these tribes are all from upstate New York. Yeah. The, Which is, Jen, in case you guys don't know Jen, is also from upstate New York. Yeah. And so, like, that's your home team, baby. Home team. And I lived in Cooperstown for a couple of years, which is right. Sorry, what did you call it? Cooperstown. Oh, I thought you said Pooperstown for a second. No. I don't know. Anyway. We'll call it a stroke year. But like, <laughs> it really, I, I lived in Pooperstown for a year. Pooperstown. I was like, that's not nice. That's, that's not, not nice. respectful. They didn't, they didn't deserve that. Right. Those seem like nice people no. with a yeah. very nice dedication to baseball. Oh, yeah. I like baseball. I hate baseball. I, I've gone to the baseball Hall of Fame like four times now just because I lived in the same town. Um, I hate it. I hate Vegas. <laughs> Why? It's so boring. There's, there's, I need. Is it less boring than football? No, I also hate football. Do you hate, how do you feel about soccer? I like soccer. Mm. See, this is my rule. You need constant action. Ugh. Constant Exhausting. action. In an average sports broadcast, um, comparing the different sports, um, Football, Football has, the has the most breaks. There's, on average, like 30% or less of the broadcast is actual playing. Yep. And that's like, like a three-hour broadcast. Yes. So, Exhausting. <laughs> it's it's like 10 minutes of action, which is insane. Yeah. Um, whereas soccer is pure action. And yeah. if they break and and a little... and take up some of the time for stoppage or breaks or... or Somebody gets an injury, whatever. They add more time to make up really? for it. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite soccer team or football? Listen, I'm not that deep in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I watch the World Cup and that's about it. I and like I the root... United States ladies. Oh, U.S. ladies, women's team aces. It seems to be the best in the world. It is the best in the world. So, that's, I support that team. It's the only team that makes me patriotic. Uh, otherwise, in the in the men's World Cup, I always root for the Netherlands because... Because you're Dutch Because I'm... Mm. Because you're Dutch as heck. Damn, yeah. cut the other one. Ha! Trying to cover up Speaking your mistakes. Of the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's two for me, one for you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Dutch, I want to talk about Quakers, who I feel like there was a large population of Quaker Dutch. Um, the Dutch Quakers. Maybe that's the Amish. You're thinking of Pennsylvania Dutch? 
That's possible. Which is Deutsch, which is German. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whatever. Close enough. Yeah. There's a lot of cults. I'm not getting into it. <laughs> Stop um, calling religions cults. <laughs> what is the difference? Like, at what point does a... That's a good question, but that's not a question we're going to talk about right, right now. So then I'm going to stand on my hill. <laughs> okay. I, so I, I want to talk about page 123. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk about smallpox. That's, that's, that's what, what you I want have. to talk about? Yeah. Okay. Because it starts a little earlier. Yes. Um, this is my favorite part of Valley Forge because this, Homegirl is very pro-vaccine. Pro yes. Okay. So if we want you to take anything away from the yes. winter encampment of Valley Forge. Other than <laughs> Baron von Steuben making... No, no. Here. Yeah, that's one of them. Okay. Um, so oh, get list? this get this idea out of your head that it's just, oh, Valley Forge is important because it was very cold and snowy. Blech. That's old news. That and is also, not, it wasn't that snowy. Also, it's not true. It was really rainy. Yeah. Um, what you should... Why Valley Forge is important is Baron von Steuben professionalizes the military. Heck yeah. Writes the blue book, which becomes the standard training manual for U.S. troops to this day. To this day. Was written at Valley 250 Forge. years later. Or it was, it was starting to be written. Anyway, um, the other thing is smallpox yes vaccinations smallpox ripped through valley forge mm -hmm. did you see the post i put in our group chat this morning um i saw that it happened and i didn't read it okay so i learned from john green who i learned many things from yeah uh, it's either john green or hank green One i respect two. them both so much <laughs> yes <laughs> so John Green was talking about smallpox vaccination and how it came to the United States military uh -huh. briefly as he meandered about other things. Yeah. In the way that John Green does. Yeah. His little I love his walks. new content like his style. It's yeah. just it's very relaxing to me. Love him. So he was talking about uh, smallpox inoculation and how it was learned in Africa. And mm. it was brought to the inoculation practice was brought to America by enslaved Africans. Wow. I yeah. didn't know that. And I have a source about that because I Googled it immediately. Uh -huh. Also, one of the big proponents of smallpox inoculations was Catherine the Great. Uh, she was one of the first monarchs to direct her family to get inoculated for smallpox she gets cooler all the time yeah and that was one of the biggest ways of promoting um, inoculation amongst rich and powerful yeah, if people you make royalty do it then mm -hmm. everybody else falls in yeah. line do, do, do. so this is from history.com um, which, grain of salt, history.com can be, I mean, like, as much as they give us some great articles, they also came up with ancient aliens. It's, yeah, the History Channel I have a real love-hate relationship with. It's men. <laughs> some of the work they do is truly quality. Um, but it, we'll post this to our social media pages later where everybody else can enjoy the resource. But it, the title of the article is How an Enslaved African Man in Boston Helped Save, save Generations from Smallpox. Yeah. So there is research about that as well uh, but we go into a lot of great detail here as abigail joins martha washington again on a tour of the hospitals mm -hmm. um, even though yeah. she wishes she hadn't well because the one of the smallpox ripped through the camp it killed thousands i mean smallpox thousands. and other diseases killed right. thousands of people just um and not having adequate supplies and so george washington who in his own life had smallpox as a kid did he yes and so he was 
scarred um, from it physically. And so that was one reason why he was a huge proponent of inoculation was that he went through um, smallpox himself. Um, I feel kinship with George Washington, ooh, which is now, unexpected. Now you don't hate him so much. Um, <laughs> I've decided to hate him. Less. It's okay. George Washington is a complicated historical figure, and you should neither. He's a real life human being. Yeah. And we're he all has complicated. Flaws and also. I don't think I would have given him a, a, like a swirly if we went to high school together, but I definitely would have given him side eye. Okay. Um, yeah, so he. Uh, has institutes one of the first national vaccine mandates in the military that is a real leader Uh, so this is this is a hot topic in recent years this is a this is a hot topic in recent years because if you're listening to this decades in the future, uh, the t- early 2020s, real uh, hot hot time for disease and vaccines. <laughs> Hopefully, when the, by the time you're listening to this, you are just immune to all disease and we are all living forever, um, if we choose to. Anyway, so yes, go on. Uh, do, do you want to talk about how they describe? Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. The inoculation process? Uh, slash, I'm into it because I like gross stuff. You really do. I love, and I love popping things. Um, this has somewhat rubbed off on me because I've started to get some pimple popping videos and I do not look away. Are they, they're hypnotic. They're hypnotic. Do you like, as you're watching them and they like show you all the little black spots, do you yeah. pick a favorite one and like you won't scroll yeah. away until that one's done? No, but I do kind of just, I, I sit and watch them transfixed and also just so tense. Jen and I have a horrible influence on each other's social media because yeah. whatever like the special interest of one is shows up on the other. Yeah. Uh, Jen got me into quiet soundtracks. Like I listen to the Deadwood soundtrack. Yeah, th- this is my special. What victory. have you done to me? I. But meanwhile, I gave you pimple popping videos. My, so my, we're square. Yeah, yeah my Spotify wrapped every year is like. You are just just pick a movie composer and they're my top artist. And it's like five movie composers and then uh, Taylor Swift. (laughs) So as they're describing this, each man is getting a slice in the arm from a pen knife. Yes. And the doctor sits next to a patient who is riddled with smallpox. Smallpox is a disease that shows up with like large boils or sores Blisters all over the body with pus. pus yes and that pus turns out to be really important uh, also it's scabs which is important in the future yeah uh, but what this doctor does is he takes his pen knife which this is, is kind wait, of like wait. a scalpel <laughs> trigger warning oh yeah if you're not into gross stuff zoop ahead a couple minutes david <laughs> so we cut uh the doctor takes a Feather quill, which has quite a sharp scoop at the end, much oh. like a hypodermic needle yeah. does. Uh, in fact, I think that is the design of the hypodermic needle yeah. tip is based on a feather quill. Um, so he takes that empty feather quill, no ink on it, um, and he dips it and scoops into the blister of the patient who is recuperating. And he blops that scoop into the open cut. Yeah, they cut the arm. They, they like take a little slice to someone's arm and, and just, it's like you'll be fine but it just takes that thing with the pus and just like <laughs> rubs it in there <laughs> great some great sound effect <laughs> um yeah so but at the same time horrifying deeply satisfying i said gross but cool do you know how bad i want to be that doctor 
get me in there popping all your stuff. Oh, great. Listen, if you ever need anything popped anywhere on the body, I'm your Huckleberry. (laughs) Sounds good to know. Yeah. Uh, Uh, So anyways, that's the vaccine section that I really wanted to talk about. mm -hmm. Um, And gosh, they really pack so much into the next section. This part two is just ripping. Yeah. Uh, Because on May 21st, who shows up? Uh, Page 124. Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold. Yes. Uh, Benedict Arnold goes on to be another very shameful figure. Which I think is somewhat controversial. Do tell. Um, So the story of Benedict Arnold. Guy really had a raw deal. Yeah? (laughs) Um, Yeah, he is... All I know about it is from... Turn. Turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. J.J. Adams. Uh, uh, a wonderful... Wait, no. J.J. Field. J.J. Field. But not J.J. Adams. Uh, yeah. So that's a... It's a show that I was... Is very interesting. And I think it's very well done. Uh, to people who uh, Right. Are, there's room for criticism. Of but I'm talking about criticism. like the costumes and the acting. Costumes have been absolutely ripped to shreds by the the historical costume this is just to say that i know people who have very strong feelings against this show (laughs) um but i enjoyed it (laughs) and i know you enjoyed it i would like everybody who's into hot men to check out jj field he's married to nev campbell so if you are of the opinion that some people look better when they're with a gorgeous partner ooh, uh then (laughs) There you go. J.J. Field and <laughs> Nev Campbell are like the prettiest human beings who've ever lived. I like that. I like a good pairing. Yeah, right? You know? It's like... Uh, like wine and cheese, you know? Yeah, it's the, it's the lunchable of human being relationships. <laughs> okay. A cracker is nice, but a cracker with cheese and exactly. a little slice of turkey is oh. better. Chef's kiss. So Benedict Arnold, uh, the real historical figure... Uh, began the war as a as a real war hero. He yeah. won. He battle led of Saratoga. Yeah, he was the general and and won the Battle of Saratoga, which was one of the earliest, most decisive victories for the Continental Army. So at this point in time, he is seen as a real like one of the most favorite generals Golden of child. of the army. Um, he fought in, in another battle, I think Ticonderoga. I want to say yep, where he was injured. And I think he was injured at Saratoga because they're just Abigail describes it. Maybe I'm making things up. They might be backwards on those two, but I think you're right on both cases. Okay. Okay. However, I am not an authority. That is why we do a part three for each of these books where yes. we talk to an actual authority. Yeah. This is just to say, I, we, I don't care about military history, but um, <laughs> he was a golden child in the army, won a decisive victory, was also injured. And so at this point, when he shows up at Valley Forge, he is kind of feeling a little salty because he is frustrated at his continued pain um from his injury and is feeling like a little inadequate physically um and so he um and then he from this point in time just kind of starts getting he wants to be in the front of the action he wants to be as athletic and capable as he used to be and because of his injury is kind of Push to the side. <laughs> Once again, feeling yeah feelings about this. I have emotions. Yes, yeah. especially like as we approach the stroke anniversary. Yes. like mm-hmm. 
I get it. I sort yeah. of get why Benedict Arnold is feeling sort of yeah. ill done. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of put on desk duty a little bit and is given promises of, of you know, things that he will receive. You made me promises, promises. <laughs> he's, he's a proud person and he he has a high opinion of himself but you know it's somewhat earned because yeah, of his the earlier, whole boy did it yeah and so he feels like he is he has been promised payment and stuff from, by the the continental you know congress and they fail to deliver on these things because they don't have the resources um and so he's kind of pushed to the side and that is why he eventually is courted by the the British army as someone is like, hey, we know that you have connections. We know that um, you have all these bad feelings now. So if we, if you help us out, we will give you those things that were promised. There was a huge spy effort. Yes. In world. <laughs> you keep doing it. I know. <laughs> Completely different war. Very different energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in in the Revolutionary War, there was a huge spy effort that doesn't. It really wasn't discussed about mm. uh, until rather recently. Yeah. Um, in such uh, things public as turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So Benedict Arnold shows up. He doesn't really get a whole lot of attention in this yeah. book, but I appreciate that the author dabbles him in as Name an important him all over the figure place. yeah but truly i mean truly an important figure mm-hmm. uh that should be understood for understanding the revolutionary oh War. yeah he's he's describing his horrible wound from the saratoga campaign yeah <laughs> i'm good at reading we don't um, have to be smart we're pretty yeah uh, i just set feminism back by 50 years i take it back speaking of which the next page, we meet yeah. a certain soldier. Ben Valentine. Ben His Valentine. name is Valentine. His name is Valentine. And this is so funny how it's just kind of like, it just appears almost at the end of the book. Yeah, we are dang near the end of the book. So remember this bounty coat that Elizabeth sewed. She sewed one for Pierre, famously, that went to Azor the dog. But before that, she sewed another one and gave it. She just kind of like sent it off with her best wishes of, you know, who this might go to. Um, and so this is May 26th. Uh, Elizabeth and I were putting clean linen on our beds when Sally stomped upstairs, excited and out of breath. A soldier is here asking for thee, Beth, hurry. Um, And (laughs) I looked at my older sister and could see her eyes brighten. Is it Pierre, she whispered. (laughs) (laughs) He said not. Sally was already hurrying downstairs, making a lot of noise for someone with bare feet. I love Sally. Sally is... A very dramatic and she's like an id character yes if elizabeth is the more advanced part of our psyche mm-hmm. and abigail's where we are our id self is sally sally is id elizabeth is super ego. super ego abigail is ego yeah there you go yeah it's like 101 except for when it comes to boys then uh elizabeth is also listen <laughs> a, little, a little bit we all lose our mind when it comes to romance she got she got a crush you know what's funny though is they don't describe him as particularly no. handsome. He's well okay she his front two teeth i think this is a very 
interesting way to do it where at first so she goes downstairs um, and so does abigail because she's describing it the soldier standing by the hearth looked proud in his uniform white stirrups over new shoes a tricorn under his arm and a handsome coat probably the coat the yeah. very coat that she made uh, when he smiled at her I, and i saw his top teeth were missing i knew the handsome coat was the one made by elizabeth I could not see her face. Yeah. And she goes, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, I had just read. I was, I, I, I knew what was coming. Right. So, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's queen. Um, so. <laughs> did you just say squeak? Yes, I did. I love um, you so much. Thank you. Um, uh, we, we all dared not breathe. Helen was in the rocker with Johnny on her lap. Mama at the fire. Papa was sewing a piece of leather. Everyone's like. <sighs> Right. looking around well remember helen for all of her yes. is married and bore a child already is roughly the same age as elizabeth yeah i think a year older exactly yeah it's insane um sally stared at the soldier then said canst thou do this and she stuck her tongue through the space where her two teeth were barely showing uh <laughs> so it's just like a cute little like she what? accidentally spits yeah she accidentally spits um uh, and everyone's like sally yeah and then the soldier but laughed think, yeah he handles it with yes grace. it's so it's he just seems like so kind and gentle and like yeah he, she gives the author gives him like a great personality which i love for the for the few paragraphs we know about ben valentine mm-hmm um and and elizabeth goes on to to start writing to him yes as the Which soldiers leave valley forge um uh yeah so he's they're yeah they're about to they're getting ready to march out but he's like um uh i just came by to to thank miss elizabeth and for making me a coat no one ever done such a nice thing for me ever thank you miss i'll be going now so it's just like a very nice like and you can tell elizabeth is like a little like oh i don't know he's not as cute as pierre like right she um, didn't like lose her mind over ben valentine right away well and she says the next day elizabeth was gloomy i wish i had been kinder to ben valentine she told me um uh, and, and then Abigail was like, "You weren't mean to him." And she goes, "No, but I could have offered him tea. He was a good. To, he was good to come by." Um, and odd, but I am no longer jealous of Elizabeth. She is much prettier than I, but she is not perfect. Today, I think she is even a bit heart sore. And you're just like, "Oh, I know feelings." But she grows. She 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 pulls it out. She she's in a spiral right now, but she pulls it out. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, so it's now June 1st. Really, we are truly out of the winter now. Yeah. Um, but in this part of Pennsylvania, as, as exactly the same as it is in Michigan, there's no guarantees that June 1st is properly good weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they still have quite a lot of rain. It's very muddy. And we know that the soldiers are getting ready to leave. However, um, first we get a letter from our Auntie Hanny. I watched Mama's face as she read silently. I'm on page 130, by thank the way. Thank you, thank you. Uh, girls, you have a new cousin. His name is Matthew Robert, and all is well. Bless Hanny, she's now got six little ones. My goodness. Oof. But here's the best part. Listen. Mm. The baby is ever so tiny and needs constant attention to do the five, as do the five others. 
I thank God for your friend Lucy is here to help, for I know not how I would rest Yay! otherwise. So that's how we find out where Lucy went. We knew mm-hmm. from Abigail's stressing that she was with somebody safe. We yes. And she knew where and that Lucy and was safe. And she also eventually tells Lucy's parents, I'm not going to tell you where she is, but I will tell you that she's safe. Yes. Uh, which I think is a good friend move to be like, I'm still going to protect your secret. However, I don't know if I would have been so stalwart in the secret keeping. I know. I think I would have told. I would have <laughs> folded like a house of cards. Uh, other people's parents always have that effect on me. Uh, Cause a lot of my friends' parents like did not like me. Yeah. I was the bad influence. Ooh. I know. Uh, which tells you a little bit about our community that I was the bad influence. Well, I know you now, but I have heard stories <laughs> that let me Shush. know that you probably Shush. were. Shush. <laughs> second grade, second grade. We're talking to second graders. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. We also However, get some good news uh, <laughs> on the following page, 132. Um, at church, an announcement from the, from the pulpit made us all break into cheers, something I have not heard in church. Mm. Uh, remember, these people are pretty quiet in church. This is not Holy Roller Baptist. Yeah. The British have released six patriots from the Walnut Street Jail in Philadelphia. Mm. They are in reasonably fair health, and they shall return to Valley Forge tomorrow. The name that made me want to cry for joy was this one, Mr. William Fitzgerald. Yeah, joy, but then also... um, Remember, even on, like, chapter one, or session one, he's been missing. He's been in He's been in for a long time. He's been a prisoner of war this whole time. And... The, left the mom with these eight wild sons <laughs> yeah. which comma now <laughs> right down to uh, yeah because it, it immediately like this this like two-page spread is a huge roller coaster of emotions because yeah. the entry before that um she sees a soldier being hanged <laughs> oh yeah along i the decided side of the road. to skip over that because i didn't know what to do with it yeah like it's so sudden that entry and there's no follow-up it's short. because it says, we're so near the end of the well, book and she's like talk of the road was that he was a spy and that one of his friends will be hanged tomorrow i hate the army i want them to leave like this is to be clear like it's getting warmer like things are going better but we are approaching the battle of monmouth it's still a lot of a lot of up and ups and downs and so it's like that happens and then we find out that william fitzgerald is coming and then the next entry which is the next day uh, mrs fitzgerald was standing in the road looking south when we passed her on our way to pick up the wash from headquarters with with her were her three littlest boys standing <laughs> straight their faces clean and hair combed I just can't imagine what this woman went through. Yes. Yeah. And she says how brave she was to stand there, ready to meet her husband, to give him the tragic news about their five older sons. It's like, I yeah, just... that's a, yeah. that's a lot to be going through. Uh, and so it's just very, a lot of joy and heartbreak yeah. in one. In the next episode uh, or entry, uh, Martha Washington leaves yes, and leaves the girls with a gift of nice handkerchiefs for thanks for all their work. Um, and I, I like how they make her 
out as very admirable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long, cold winter had not seemed so lonesome because of her. Yeah. Uh, she's the most cheerful, loving person I have ever met. All wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can respect that. However, she's like, you know, we were not of her social class, yet she still welcomed us as friends. No, she didn't. She welcomed you as help. <laughs> I, I think that is, speaks to... Uh, how different of a time yes it was um and and to be clear we still do have very clear social uh strata even if people don't like to think about it there are still hugely rich people who will not treat you as equals um however at this time it's more socially accepted like there's less of a sheen of equality um than there is now um and i think that's because a lot of the founding court cases that made up america have not happened yet uh yes but there's also identity well a national identity but there's also like even through you know when we were a country into the 1800s like i think a lot of that has to do with um, the culture of servitude yep. um, where there is like these people were working for her and at that time you did not treat people who were your staff the same way as you would treat your peers right um, and that comes from a very British era or not just British but European aristocratic yeah, um, practice um, uh, interestingly uh, according to the historical note um, there was a record of Martha Washington Payne laundresses um 40 shillings per month you know so it's yeah yeah this is coming Based from on fact real fact um i also think I, martha's another one of those historic real historical figures who is very human in the sense that she was beloved by many as a very kind generous empathetic woman uh she was also one of the largest slave owning um wealthiest people in her husband was british aristocracy or descended from british aristocracy uh yeah no it's it's really it's a very complicated issue and one of the things that we're going to continue to talk about as we go through these american history books is how the issue of slavery Mm -hmm. has clouded american ideals for generations uh it affects us even today yeah i well it's 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 slavery but it's it is also that social class where like as long as like people don't pay attention or will often overlook how um people treat their help um and, and only look at how they treat their peers as yep. a as a marker of gentility when one of the basically the opposite in, is true right <laughs> one of the signs in every jimmy johns uh-huh. and when i was uh like middle school jimmy johns became a thing yeah and so it used to be like the cool place to go yeah <laughs> and now it's like the last resort yeah, yeah. um but jimmy johns has a sign uh in every restaurant that says if you want if you want the measure of a man look to how he treats the people who are beneath him not yeah, his friends exactly right ask how see what he see how he treats the waiter i think is how jimmy johns puts it i think it's incredibly ironic considering just like the kind of person the founder of jimmy johns word <laughs> i wasn't gonna get into that but good for you um yes so this is all to say martha is but still 
admirable in many ways. And yeah. even though I look at her as a strain on resources at Valley Forge, mm-hmm. uh, her being there and like offering that little bit of grace and gentility may have really lifted people's spirits. I, I think lifted people's spirits and also very practically she did... She was kind of a ringleader and set the tone for what is expected for the wives of the officers in a good way. Absolutely. Uh, yes, she. there's also pages of her, like, demanding 40 eggs. <laughs> Which she made for right. people. 100%. So there's, like, this kind of uh, her not really realizing that her requests are putting undue strain on the surrounding community. But she is also setting this ideal for the 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 wives of the officers of like we're we're not here to just laze around we're here to help yeah offer um, comfort absolutely i think it was important um i think the spirit of that is carried on in many charitable groups today mm-hmm. yeah um, she is very much the poster child of the philanthropic wife of yeah. like that i'm here to do good the, it, she kind of set the mold for our first ladies if you will i as yes, the first certainly lady. absolutely mm-hmm. she set a standard as well so i'm moving on to page 139 yep uh june 19th we woke at five o'clock this morning to a drumbeat a Ooh. quick step we hurriedly dressed and mama helped johnny helen carried olivia which is baby kern yes and we ran into the road it was dark save for a few distant torches the army is leaving said papa god bless them and god bless america By noon, the huts were deserted, and the valley was quiet. We could see the camp followers straggling out with hand-carried belongings and a noisy assortment of children and dogs. Um, Papa rode into the encampment with Mr. Potter and Mr. Adams. It's a mess, they said when they returned. It shall take weeks to bury the garbage and the (laughs) dead animals. Uh, They had recently, and we skipped over this, lost 1,500 horses. Oh, boy. I am not sure... They're not talking about it, and I wonder if it's because it's a bit of a faux pas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the wild death of 1,500 horses seems a little suspect to me. I wonder if that is the point at Valley Forge where they begin eating their horses. Um, yeah, I because guess. Because they're not getting meat. Yeah, I guess my assumption was like burying horses, that means that uh, you didn't eat them, but it's possible that it's bones that the bones and, and stuff. Poof. Yeah, I mean, horse meat is a thing that people eat sometimes when they have to or sometimes when they want to i mean yeah. if you read game of thrones the death rocky love eating horse meat <laughs> there you go there you I, go. well and it's common in other countries as well but it's not looked fondly upon in america yeah i think horses are one of those um uh almost pet designated animals yeah I and agree. so we look we say that that's wrong yeah in reality it's weird that we have that distinction <laughs> Between, like, I'm not going to feel bad about eating this animal, but I will feel terrible about eating the meat of this animal, even, and it's not even dependent on their intelligence. But it's animals or, we identify with. Yeah. Like, pigs are incredibly intelligent animals, more so, arguably, than several pet <laughs> types. Yeah, like, probably smarter than Gambit. Yeah, yeah. And Gambit's not dumb. Yeah, so we, and we don't have a problem eating pigs at all. So most of most of us anyway. I'm not talking about you vegetarians. Right. Absolutely. Obviously, you're better than all of us. Um, So we're going we're going back to Valley Forge. Um, A lot of people are also taking little souvenirs from Valley Forge, like musket balls to play with as marbles and things like that. Uh, The following day, June 20th, we get a letter. 
And uh, a hush has followed over the valley. I'd forgotten how quiet it used to be mm-hmm. and how much I love the stillness. When the, where the army has marched, we know not. Every meal, Papa leads us in prayer for the safety of our soldiers and victory for General Washington. Just before sunset, a letter arrived for me. I quickly broke the seal. After reading, I did not throw it into the fire, but pasted it onto this page. Dear Abigail, I must tell you some surprising news. Yesterday, I visited the wig maker. Remember his tiny shop next door to Aunt Hanny? Mm-hmm. He said, my hair was made into a beautiful wig for the wife of a general who wintered at Valley Forge. <gasps> I know. Gasp. When I inquired, who is she? He looked through his papers and showed me the order. Do you know, Abby, that the note was signed by Martha Washington herself? Now I can sleep again. Thank God my foolish mistake, arguable, uh, yeah. did not land my hair on the head of one of those plump British officers. The fat shaming. Yeah. How I miss you, Abby, and my own family as well. I shall soon be home. Your loving friend, Lucy. I, okay. I wrote here, they worked so hard to make this plot line work out. Like, why, again, why do we care? Hmm. I don't care if it lands on the head of a British officer. I agree. I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I also think, like, just the way they describe the British is, like, fat and lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Hate. I know. And it's, it is fat shaming, but it's also, I, I think... I don't want little girls reading that being plump is not okay. No, no. I think it's a shorthand for nourished and well-fed and like they're sitting there eating you know all these fancy meals while the the continental army is starving i it is also fat shaming yeah those both of those things are true and you can use other you know methods of 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 description um yeah so that's it is very nice to know that she's Okay, I think it was a bit of a reach to say, oh, Martha got it, so it's fine. <laughs> That's just my personal qualm. I don't want it to be a problem, but, like, she went and made money, however she... Th- I thought it was very industrious and creative of her to yes. do that. I suppose my problem is the society in which this book is written, yeah. which, like, I'm taking aim at our whole society, mm-hmm. that we raise children... With effectively conservative values. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have to unlearn all of that in high school. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, I was raised by the only two liberals in Berrien County. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it, it does depend on your parents. Okay. But, like, overall. Overall, mm-hmm. also, what is allowed to be put into schools, which is still an issue today. Oh, yeah. Um, and what we're allowed to say to children. Like, I went back and scuttled back on the bad place Mm. because we're not allowed to say the name of the bad place Mm. that that's a curse word but it's in the bible why is that a curse oh yeah right so like just like these conservative values don't suit me and i don't think that they suit other people truly yeah uh it's all this like little falsehoods that we play about being so delicate with kids. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, five children die in this book and get barely an entry. Yeah. You know, like, I just, I can't. It's making me feel so sassy <laughs> that I'm not making a whole lot of sense. I completely understand and agree. You know, it's, okay. yeah, it's like you can talk page after page about people being hanged and people dying. Yes, yes, yes. We can all watch the nightly news, but yeah. heaven forbid. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, 
Yes. I mean, there, I, I do really enjoy But that. like also you and I are yeah. perpetuating it when we won't say that Baron von Steuben is a queer figurehead. I know we yeah. said it, but we had to kind of cage it. I think about, you know, the things we taught when I was teaching second mm-hmm. grade still have what I will refer You're, to yeah. as a conservative slant that children don't yes. deserve. They're not morons. No, and I and I'm and I'm understanding and I and I'm understanding why you're self-censoring yourself that way. I'm saying that I think it's totally appropriate to talk about gay people to second graders. 100%. Yeah. And and that is us also, if you're listening to this in the future, that is us as podcasters chiming in on current events as yes. well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, as we go through a great deal of... It's okay of... to talk about serious topics like... Well, I mean, not to say that gay history, you know, queer history is serious. And many times it's not. But like... Right. Uh, but it, it had serious impact on those people um, because of the society they lived in. Um, but we can also talk about other serious topics like racism and violence, which yes. is just rampant in these books. Oh my gosh, <laughs> everywhere. You can't hit swing a dead cat without... Uh, hitting another dead cat and right. writing or about a it. a pile of dead horses <laughs> that may have been eaten. Um, yes, this is... These book series do delve into some very serious topics and yeah. we can talk about them. Well, and I... Yes. I think on a lighter note, um, uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed um, was them, yeah, dealing with the aftermath of them leaving in, in, yes, you have the piles of dead horses, but you also have a delightful passage like this one um, where they're cleaning out the headquarters because Mrs. Hughes is able to finally move back into her home. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they're talking about how there's one, her parlor was covered in hair powder, uh, which is so it's covered in white dust because that's where all the officers were powdering their hair, which is very silly because we think of men, you know, it was like, especially military men is very stoic, very unornamented. Uh, but you have to remember that men's fashion at this time was, was very elaborate. Elaborate. Yeah. Yes. They're wearing I heels. They're powdering their hair. They're wearing little sacks of sand to make their calves look bigger. Oh, absolutely. I love men's, men's fashion, fashion was this very time. vain and very like... Bring me back breeches. Breeches. I love pants. breeches. Yeah. I love a uh, front fall. Mm-hmm. It's such a good fashion. Yes. Um, so, but then, uh, so they're cleaning out the chimneys next. Oh, this yes. is, I love this. I laughed out loud. I um, laughed out loud as well. Okay. Mrs. Adams brought two of her roosters to clean the chimneys. Her, <laughs> her, 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 these poor birds. These poor birds. Her husband, her husband climbed onto the roof and into each cold chimney. So okay, so they're not hot. No, no, no. He dropped one of the birds. They flapped their wings frantically, brushing the stone in, insides until chunks of soot began raining down. After a few minutes, they were so tired they dropped into the empty hearth. The birds did not die, but they looked like they wished to. <laughs> And then I suspect the Adamses will have roast chicken for supper tonight. <laughs> so they didn't Those die then. Poor birds. Those poor birds. I'm just. Is but really... how efficient. Yes. I never That's thought clever. of that. It's, it's. I mean, you think of chimney sweeps, you know, you see so many of them in like. Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins, and yeah. you would feel like they would have that technology. Yeah, instead of using children, right. uh, they could use birds. Right. <laughs> I don't know which one's better. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, da, 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 da. they, uh, you, uh, Elizabeth is writing letters to Ben Valentine, which <laughs> is lo- lovely. Um, and 
she she says, Abby, he was so kind and gentle. Uh, I, he appreciated my coat, even though I had sewn it with selfish motives. I'm writing to tell him that I shall pray every day for his safety and well-being. And when the war is over, I shall cook him dinner. Aww. And I'm like, that's lovely. That is um, wife material. That is... Uh, <laughs> I love cooking at this time period, too. Yeah. The things that they had to cook during this time period are so interesting. Yeah. Well, and then it's, and, uh, speaking of the humor that's in this book, um, Abby responds, I knew not what to think, so I said something silly. Well, then, why do they not also write a letter, letter to Azor? <laughs> <laughs> and then Elizabeth laughed and says, oh, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so we're getting ready now, page 144. We're getting to the Battle of Monmouth. We're getting rumors from yeah. the Battle of Monmouth. Um, and basically, the I'm not going to read you this entry, uh, but I gave you the story already with our other book. Mm-hmm. So it is now July 4th, and we are celebrating one of the first celebrations of the Declaration of Independence, which yes. we call the 4th of July or Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could not find any historic basis that people actually celebrated this so early. Also, and this is something that you you learn when you go to Independence Hall, it was, I, I might forget the exactness of it, but it wasn't it signed on July 2nd and then like announced on July 4th or something? Stickly like? possible, yes. Yes. So there, I, I was wondering if they really would consider the 4th of July as the holiday or win that distinction. I could not find. I looked. Yeah. I was trying to find, because we have a pretty clear idea of mm-hmm. when and how, for example, Thanksgiving yeah. became a, the That's holiday that it is today. Uh-huh. Yeah. When did they um, start officially celebrating? Uh, Goody's home lady's book was in touch with abraham lincoln and she suggested Mm. a day of thanksgiving and that's how we got the holiday of thanksgiving to Uh kind of alleviate the sheer sadness and horror of the civil war um and you know it's not factual a lot of victorian era historians Mm. like people who were doing history work in that time Mm -hmm. were not so much interested in facts uh, yeah. They liked the romanticization of uh-huh. history. This is this time period, specifically from the Civil War through the centennial, yeah. eighteen seventy-six. Uh, you see a lot of this is, and it's repeated again in the bicentennial. Um, this is when people start really thinking about the story of American history because mm-hmm. they're thinking about like, who are, what is our national identity? What do we care about? Yep. Um, and so that's why you get a lot of mythology about the revolutionary war from, you know, the civil war when they're kind of relitigating who we are as a country. Oh, good word. Thank you. Um, and then the centennial and bicentennial when we are kind of remembering what happened. Um, yeah. And kind of taking stock yeah. and accountancy. Fun fact. A huge majority of like small local uh, museums and house museums were founded in seventeen or nineteen seventy six, or sometimes on the or east coast eighteen seventy six because people are like, oh, we should care about centennial, <laughs> bicentennial, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it's so interesting. So from there we have the Battle of Monmouth, and it basically goes into the epilogue. Yes. Um, well, the last entry is July fourth, so which is interesting. 
I was like, oh, we're ending on Independence Day. Which I think is tidy. Yeah, it's a very kind of like, this is the point of the culmination of this story. It feels less abrupt than Uh the ending of Mem's book. Mem's story. Journey to the New World. Yeah. So, and and with the the epilogue of of Mem's story, I didn't really have a whole lot to remark on because it was like, oh, she moved to Boston, had children, and and this diary was passed down through generations. This one, I have opinions <laughs> because we find out we find out what happens to the, the Stewart Wait, family. Wait, should we tell people or should we encourage them to read it? Well, no, we, we should just tell people. I think we should tell people because I these books are no longer being actively printed, and I encourage everyone to to try to access them if they can. Yeah, so you, it's really easy to find them. Um, and you will fly through And they're them. good reads. They're good, easy reads. However, I know that not everyone is going to be reading. And so yeah. I don't want to keep anything from people who don't have the luxury of reading along with us. Um, so, yeah, they, they the Battle of Monmouth happens. Uh, ben Valentine was shot in the left wrist and his arm was amputated on the field. So. <sighs> Yeah, and they sent to Philadelphia to recover. Over the weeks Elizabeth visited him, a romance developed, and they were married in the summer of 1779. Cute. Um, At least they give her some time. 1779, yes. she's 18. Yes. Um, two summers later, at the age of 15, Abigail married a blacksmith named Willie Campbell. Um, so she's 15, very young by our standards. I wrote, good choice, because blacksmiths are always hot. <laughs> This is, it is a rule, it is a truth universally acknowledged. So in my experience with like living history museums, it's the, uh, every, every romance, there's, they're swinging a giant hammer in a hot, hot room. They're always glistening. Always glistening. Right? Like that is front of a romance novel capabilities. Can you imagine a bodice ripper happening in like a blacksmith's forge area? It's a little dangerous. It's to say that if you want to be the object of desire in your living history museum, train in the blacksmith shop. (laughs) Just... It adds it adds a good five points to your hotness score. Right. Um, Right. Physically, uh, environmentally. Anyway. um, Yeah. So, yeah, she, so she marries the blacksmith. Uh, 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 Mrs. Helen Kern marries Daniel Kern, the, the brother of her, of her deceased husband, which, whatever. Um, they eventually Very have... Very common activity. Not one of my favorite activities. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> they eventually have five more children together. Um, yeah, so, and then they, they all move, all, all of the families move to Homestead in the Ohio River Valley. Um, Abigail has nine children with her husband. That's so many. As, yeah. It's I a mean, lot it's how many my grandmother had, but yeah. still. Um, and then and this is where it starts taking a turn. Yep. Abigail dies in 1823 at the age of 57 after being thrown from her horse. Right. Willie died two years later, some say from grief. I was like, what? all right, jeez. Um, you know, and then uh, Elizabeth and... and it, and Ben have four daughters who died in infancy, but their sons, Paul and Nathaniel, grew up to be explorers. Fun. Um, and at, uh, in the, her sons, you know, it talks about what... Friends what with they Daniel go to, Boone. Yeah, they're friends with Daniel Boone, and they go to China uh, or something. 
or California, yeah. Monterey. Oh, sorry. The, but he's, <laughs> uh, what I'm reading is at the age of 13, Nathaniel ventured to Boston and signed on as a cabin boy on board the ship Otter, captained by the legendary China trader yes. Ebenezer, Ebenezer Dorr Jr. And they sailed to Monterey Bay, um, the becoming the first American vessel to anchor in a California port. Elizabeth and Ben died together when their house got on fire in 1825. Isn't that horrid? Like, what? <laughs> I don't think anybody needed that epilogue, Mrs. Gregory. Yeah. So, this is... Kind of a downer. Kind of a downer. But But overall, I think I preferred... Now, mind you... Ooh, interesting, yeah. I had quite a few criticisms Uh of the characters in this book and the way that the author just shellacked us with... Washington. (laughs) Oh, the mythos of Washington. And Washington. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Um, however, mm. I think I very much preferred this story. Interesting. To, to Mems. Mems. Um, one, it had more action. A mm. lot of Mems was like, still on boat. Yep. Hate everyone on this boat. Yeah. I Which, think... like, identify with. Yeah. And I think is very real. Um, I think I will commend both authors for writing very real feeling mm. little girls. Yeah. Right? Like, these, I could have hung out with these girls. I know these girls. Mm. Uh, they feel like a real person instead of feeling stilted like a kid in Dr. Seuss. Yep. So I commend them for that. But there's just more action in this book. <laughs> I um, think that's a lot of... I, I I remember preferring this book. I don't know that I actually feel the same way now. Mm-hmm. Um, having read the two so having read Having reread the two, I think Mem's story does... I think that one is better researched. Um, I think that's fair. Um, definitely. Uh, this one is that, much more romanticized, I think. Yeah. And um, maybe I'm one of those people who needs the romance of history and that's okay too. Well, and I think that's perfectly fine. I think this is a very exciting story. I don't, yeah. I don't think that it's, it's, I feel like it's less well-researched, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good story. Right. hundred um, percent. But everybody who reads mm-hmm. takes something different. Exactly. And you and I are getting different parts of this and mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so but I yeah, always love this period. I like this one. I love this period in history, oh gosh, and so I always love this book. Um, yeah, there are actually a lot of living history events that are focused on this time period. Um, if you're interested in one that's in West Michigan, it's called Feast of the Strawberry Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's carried on in Grand Haven every summer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but locally, um, down in Indiana, there's also Feast of the Hunter's Moon, which is roughly this time period as well. Uh, fur trade through colonialization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's a million... Oh, tons. Uh, re- uh, reenactments on the East Coast oh, from yeah. this time period. Uh, there's a bunch of reenactment groups. There's also a, a huge community of historical costumers and stuff from this Well, and a lot period. of historic sites will feature. Yeah. Because we are inheriting what our 17, our 1976 ancestors mm-hmm. put together, the yep. events that they put together. Absolutely. So, for example, the Henry Ford Museum. Yeah. Greenfield Village is largely this time period Uh, a little bit advanced into like early regency but Mm. largely this yeah not a whole lot of difference you you want to know a fun um thing about how a lot of living history museums decide what era to portray i mean a lot of some living history museums will go uh based off of what 
what they have. what their region is known for so like for fort mackinac up north it's based on you know when it was most active as a fort yeah i um, mean that's a particular time period but in general if you're looking at like what's just a, a general historic time period that we could portray the common rule is to go a hundred years in the past so there is a living history museum in cooperstown that was uh founded in 1940 early 1940s so they do 18 so they do 1840s neat yeah and so that means that now we could have 1920s living history museums uh, you already have a costume ready to go ready to go you would look so dope thank you um we let's see how long we've been recording oh yes let's check almost N- not quite two hours but almost okay well um, let's end on a high note because that epilogue was a bummer a huge bummer but i have the highest <gasps> of high notes what is that this is what glittery purple joy is this this is a true true treasure that i have been entrusted with um so i'm remember, so excited so i remember the first episode when i was like hey a fun thing for people to do is to s- send us their diaries one of my friends grace took that uh request and uh fully went she she committed fully to this assignment and entrusted me with the no, physical she, did not. she gave me her diary from when she was 10 years old can i no you, you hold it because i'll just drop it i will i'll read you some excerpts and of, of course you can look at it okay. um but it says the the very first page says the diary of of grace last name age 10 uh and then, i love the drama let me let me just say this about grace is um we are cut from the same cloth we have <laughs> so many things in common and so all of this that i'm going to say about her diary she fully knows and also um i say with with love and much uh respect to the fact that i am as melodramatic <laughs> <laughs> so she was age 10 dedicated to future readers <laughs> yes <laughs> And there's also, <laughs> there's a, a nondescript smudge here that I don't know quite what it's, but she writes, for safety reasons, my blood. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. I am not. Here's a sample. Here's a sample. In and case it's, I ever go missing. It's so faint. <laughs> like, it's not very, obviously, like a huge amount of blood, but I don't know what happened there. But yeah, it's incredible to think that like maybe she thought they'd be able to clone her or something grace for, is for my sa- favorite person for safety reasons <laughs> specifically like grace i haven't i don't believe i've met grace in real life no right? you have not i can't wait i'm sure we're gonna love each other yeah. however i love your 10 year old self already i for safety for reasons. safety reasons this is and this is the first entry it's dated september 5th 2003 <laughs> For the record, I think my diary that I quoted was also from 2003. So, like, I'm just imagining us, like, on some very incredible time, very same wavelength, even though we're a few years uh, apart in age. Um, but this, <laughs> this, is, this is what her first entry reads. <clears throat> I guess I should explain. <laughs> just record scratch right I, in the middle. Yeah. In I, media res. I bet you're wondering how we got here. Um, and I think this speaks to, like, we were both very conscious of, like, what diaries can become yeah. for posterity. And so she, this is very much... I exclusively wrote secrets in mine, and then I set them on fire. Oh, she wrote secrets, too. 
There's uh, secrets. But in she her. doesn't. Uh, she's writing to a but future reader. She has a remarkable. I the heck out of my. She diaries. has a remarkable level of candor. Yeah. In this diary, because and I will tell you this. <laughs> she knew full well at the time, as well as now, that her younger brother was reading this. <laughs> And in fact, when she handed this to me uh, the other day, she goes, um, her brother, who currently lives with her, um, he's, he fully was like, ah, I want to read that again. <laughs> and he said, again. <laughs> I think that says a lot about little brothers. <laughs> yes. What a sweetie. Incredibly open. Um, yeah. And she didn't mind. There's no. definitely, there's also parts in here where she's addressing her younger brother. <laughs> who she knew full well was reading her diary. Uh, I was not that close with my siblings. Um, so yes, she says, I guess I should explain. I'm not your average girl. Oh my gosh, she's like Alex Mack. <laughs> and life isn't very easy for me. I don't have the same interests as other kids. I don't have the same fashion sense either. I don't even ha live in the same generation. <laughs> she explained this to me. Um... That she had, like, this weird fascination with, like, specifically the 1930s and the 1950s. Cool. Yeah. And so she was, like, very... She felt like an old soul. What a cool kid. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, I always say the wrong, th uh, the wrong things, which can make people think I'm weird. <laughs> the thing is, I want to be able to act crazy sometimes. <laughs> Yet, I want people to like me. Uh, I'm just kind of different. I want people to uh, accept me the way I am. That's very cute. I is is it's so adorable. It's so like I'm suddenly realizing that like people are different, and I'm interpreting that in a way that is everyone else is the same, but right. I'm, different. I'm different. And uh, and just wanting to be accepted for who you are. Um, How very universal. It's so precious. Um, and she, yeah, so she goes on, she keeps this for quite a few pages. Um, she talks, shares some, some thoughts about her, her, uh, her classmates. Um, she's talking about her brother. She, <laughs> she has a ranking of her favorite female singers. Ooh, who, who ranks? Um, uh, and this is, she says, she has like two different categories for the female celebrities that she likes. Um, this is who she likes in her opinion. And she says several times my opinion versus like everyone else. Okay, uh, so right. for her, Hillary Duff ranks the top. She's a queen. This and I adore Hillary Duff. In 2003, Duff. that was peak Lizzie McGuire. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, Lizzie McGuire was a great show. Hillary Duff, hugely talented. Also yeah. seems really nice. Yeah. Yeah, so she holds up. Um, Avril Lavigne was also at the peak of her... Let me tell you what Lizzie McGuire and Avril Lavigne have in common. Mm -hmm. Each of them married men who were very important to me in 2003, <laughs> which were the members of Good Charlotte and the members of Sum 41. Wow. I know. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, 2003. What a time to be alive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's... <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I want to get to the point where she's ranking her classmates. And I won't, I won't dox anyone. But it's just impressive, the system that she had. Um, 
<laughs> she has this uh, she had a whole rubric uh where she graded <laughs> she went through and graded based on looks and hygiene Sandy, wait how old is grace when she writes this 10 oh wait hygiene? no no this is two years late three years later this is oh so she's 13 yeah yeah and you can tell her handwriting's getting better too so um i had a 10 year old been thinking about the hygiene of boys yeah i would have been very impressed at their canniness mm-hmm. but 12 13 that makes a little bit more sense that's yeah. the era when kids all start to smell like hamsters oh yeah have you ever noticed that every middle school smells like a pet supplies plus yeah you you got to teach those boys about deodorant oh it's not just boys it's also girls yeah. it's me yeah right like mm-hmm. that's a hard mm-hmm. habit to hop into mm-hmm uh yeah so it's hygiene sanity behavior personality and more oh Uh, bonus she grades on a scale of one to ten gives her a best in show category best in show yeah and so she goes like she spends it has a two-page spread on one guy (laughs) um and so she goes through the different categories you know decent haircut nice height does not smell bad no bo showers on a daily basis uh and then she like adds up all the the different categories and gives them a final score out of total possible points. Um, yeah, it's it's delightful. I I <laughs> this <laughs> so this is this is just to say. All right, we're I'm all, gonna challenge us. Yeah, I want you to go home. Mm-hmm. Do you have a yearbook? Uh, from high school. From high school. Yeah. yeah. All right, I want you to pick five boys. Yeah. And rank them? them using her rubric. Ooh, that'll be hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and we're going to be remember. basically doxing our classmates. Yeah. Well, we're not um, going to. We're going to forget about this before the next time we record. Oh, 100%. Sure. Except for some of my classmates might listen. Um, but tell you what, we'll, why don't we just like everyone? Let's not on bring your out own. your best in show. I no. want to know who your Jeffrey. Who is your best in show? I'll show you my best in show, yeah. and we can talk briefly about how they grew up and like. Wonderful. 35 you yeah. know now that we're 20 years out you're assuming i keep up with any of my oh, friends from high there's school there's only 42 of mine i, so had I know a where class most of, of them are 350 yikes on bikes yeah. yeah in one class in one class yeah gee whiz we had All one right. high school in our small city me too <laughs> small city <laughs> versus small town yeah um, I, barely a town yeah really um, yeah. Okay. So I want I want to know your best in show. Okay. Do what research you can. Yeah. You can check LinkedIn. Whatever. I'll do my best in show. And we'll circle back. Uh, we'll circle back. Give me just yes. show me who like the best boy from your school was based okay. on that rubric. So okay. we'll put that in our chat. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. So if you have a, a beautifully embarrassing diary that you have laying around, um, oh my gosh, please send please it. Please feel free. You don't have to send us a physical copy. Grace went above and beyond. But like. If you want to even just describe the kinds of things you wrote about, we like, would love to share. We it would with love people. to hear it. We would love to share it with, with the world. Uh, we're all on equal footing here. All of us were so young. Once. All of us were so young, so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, Cringy. We didn't have a professional author curating us. I know. I know. If only. I want to give a dose of like what real 10 year olds are talking about. Um, so yeah. So I'm uh, so glad I burned my diaries. <laughs> I have no idea where Thank mine are. God, what a great move made by 18 year old going to college. Kate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you outside, can burn them. You can uh, email them to us at ribbonbookclubpod at gmail.com. 
Um, yeah, keep up with with us on the internets, and we will dive into the well. We will our next episode. We have a fantastic guest. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. Beth Dungisha from Valley, Valley Forge. Forge. Yeah, uh, we're gonna get the real scoop. We're gonna have some very down to earth conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a wonderful set of questions that I'm so excited to share with you guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. And then we'll catch you with the next book, which is uh, The Diary of Emma Simpson, I believe, uh, from the Civil War. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and uh, we uh, we have a new sign-off now. Until then, uh, be the main character you want to see in the world. I don't know. We're all main characters. We're still workshopping. Right. I forgot that I thought that was a good idea. It is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I just forgot about it. No, uh, so, yeah, everybody, run with some main character energy. We'll talk to you next time. Happy reading. Hey, thanks for listening. We'd like to thank Erica Page for creating our amazing intro and outro music, Callie Charing for being the best research librarian we know, and the world's best editor, Danny Heck. Feel free to reach out to them with contact info in the description. 